Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. So we are uh, in the second... um, the second installment, I guess you could say, of a series we started called Binge the Bible. You know those Netflix shows you like? Bingeable shows? Look at the person next to you, tell them one show that you just watch and you have to keep watching and you have to keep watching and you have to keep watching. You just have to totally sit on your couch all Saturday and watch it, right? Everybody has a show like that? Um, but what would, what would it be like, what would it be like if we binged the Bible? Um, if you were like me when you grew up, you uh, grew up and you went to church. If you grew up going to church, <clears throat> I grew up going to church and they would take me to the kids' class. You know, they take you to kids' class, they sit you down, and I don't know if this was, it was like this when you were, they had what was called the flannel graph. It was like early Christian action figures. And, and they would tell me Bible stories. You know what I mean? Like, learn about David and Goliath. Jonah and the whale, Noah and the ark. And I'd learn, like, we'd jump into these stories. But what I realized as I got older is I'd, I don't know how all these stories, like, fit together. Is this just like a Disney book full of fun stories? Well, no. And sometimes we don't realize what's going on in the Bible when we just, like, jump into part of the Bible and, and don't read the whole story. How many of y'all like to read? You read novels. Like, I'm not much of a reader. I like reading nonfiction. I'm boring like that. But if you like to read a novel, what, would, what logic would, would it be to just open up about halfway through the novel and start reading? You'd miss a lot of what they call character development, Right? You wouldn't maybe know what's going, what happened before. So the, the people that you know, you don't know all the backstory, right? Or what if you just started reading at the very beginning and didn't finish the story? That'd be pointless, wouldn't it? So what we're going to be doing over the next, I think, I think we have it set up for eight to nine weeks, is we're going to literally go through the Bible. Started last week with David going through creation, Genesis 1 and 2. By the end, we're going to be, we're going to literally start at the beginning. We start at the beginning of the Bible. By the end, we're going to end up on the, at the last page of the Bible over eight weeks. So we're going to be able to see like the whole story and understand how God is working. So um, tonight, you, we, last week we left off in Genesis 2. Tonight, Genesis 3. So if you have your Bible or you, you know, you have your Bible on your phone, go to Genesis 3. The words will be, be on the screen later. We're going to get to those in a minute. Um, but I thought maybe you should go ahead and start turning there. When we were um, in our high school tag, uh, we got to the question. I don't know if you got to the question in your tag. Um, we asked the question, what's wrong with the world? We had some very interesting answers. Gas prices, Karens, Joe Biden made it in there. Um, But then we got into some more serious things, like the drug epidemic. Where were you when you realized that the world was a broken place? I'll tell you where I was when I realized the world was a broken place. It was in the year 2001, I was a junior, and um, I was, don't laugh, but I was the class president. Um, why would they elect me? Uh, I was the class president, we were having like the you know, student government meetings, and, and um, Mr. Is, Mr. Page was the, the, the teacher in his room, and all of a sudden, uh, one of our teachers kind of like burst in and 
told us that a plane had crashed into the World Trade Center. And then we're like, we need more information about that. Like, what's the big deal? And then as classes were changing, we walked by the library where there was a TV in the library and was showing the footage of this plane crashing into this building. We're like, man, that's a stupid pilot. Like, what you, like why, why did he do that? And as we're watching that, we watch another plane crash into the other World Trade Center building. And it was like everybody, nobody had to say anything. Everybody realized that it was not an accident that our country was under attack. The whole rest of the day, everybody just kind of in between classes would run into the library and watch to see what the latest was. And we, we, we found out they, the terrorists flew a plane into the Pentagon. And the, there was another plane that was headed toward the White House. But people like revolted on the plane and took it down in Pennsylvania. And I remember like everybody was so freaked out that we just had to stop school and everybody gathered um, in the auditorium and our like principal just said, hey guys, like, you know, we realize this is tough. We realize this is heavy. I think we had a time of prayer. Um, and then the, I remember the next, you know, I went home and like every channel, like even like Nickelodeon was like showing the news. Like it was you're crazy. And I remember the next day, my dad was driving me to school and he needed gas. Uh, so we went to get gas and the lines at the gas station were down the road because everybody knew like, these, these terrorists obviously came from the Middle East, so we're pretty much going to bomb anything with sand, so we're not going to be able to get gas for a long time. So everybody was getting gas, and I just, it just felt like the world was falling apart. And that's when I realized for the first time, like, man, this world is broken. So the question is, when was it for you? Like, what was the event that happened in your life that made you realize, man, this world is broken. I put, yeah, maybe a little bit PTSD here. Um, but uh, man, you got to love this guy. You just, you, you have to love him. You have to love baby dog. Um, but I remember being in Huntington Middle School. I can't remember the exact date, but it was a Friday in March of 2020. There you go. Your Christian remembers. March 13th, 2020, we had just dropped off backpacks at the counselor's office to Mrs. Thaxton and can't remember the other counselor's name. And um, as we were walking out, what, you were checking out with the secretaries, you know, signing out. And um, she said, hey, you know, guys, the governor just shut schools down for the next week. So we won't need backpacks for two weeks because we have spring break after that. So I guess we'll see you in two weeks. And so began 15 days to stop the spread of COVID-19. And it's kind of funny to laugh about it, but a lot of your all's world was turned upside down. Like, we laugh about virtual school, but that was terrible. Like, you, you, there was something going on that you didn't, none of us knew. And you look, you look to our world leaders, and they, were, they didn't know what to do. You look to our local leaders, they don't know what to do. You look at the scientists, and they're doing their best, but honestly, I think they don't know what to do. And, and all of a sudden, like, you realize this world is not perfect. So how do you react to that? Then maybe for some of you, it wasn't like a national thing that made you realize the world wasn't perfect. It was a local thing. It was a thing that happened in your house. Like your family just got destroyed because of something that happened. Or somebody that you loved and that you thought you could always count on, they were like the constant in your life, they got sick and passed away. There is something that happens in each of our lives that reminds us that this world is broken. 
So how do we process that and how do we deal with that? Does the Bible say anything about why the world is the way it is? If God created a perfect world, why is it so screwed up? If God created this world and he's in control, why is it so unfair and why is it so painful? Tonight, what we're going to kind of zero in and look at in this continuation of our binging the Bible is that sin is the cause. Sin separates me from God and explains the brokenness in the world that I see and that I experience. So we're going back to Genesis chapter 3, and if you remember where David left off last week, he left off with a perfect world. One of my favorite lines is the end of Genesis chapter 2. It said, the man and his wife were naked and they felt no shame. Like two people made for each other in paradise, they just get to eat fruit and make babies. Like that was their scenario. But then in Genesis chapter 3, we learn that that scenario didn't last very long. And I'm going to kind of summarize Genesis 3 verses 1 through 6. Genesis 3, 1 through 6 tells us and explains to us how sin entered the world. Adam and Eve, the first two humans. God said, this is the garden. You can eat of any tree in the garden. You don't have to work for your food. These trees will produce fruit and incredibly tasting fruit and you can just eat and it's always going to be there. But there's one tree here you may not eat of. It's the tree of knowledge of good and evil. If you eat of it, you will die. God didn't create robots, did he? He created people with a choice. Well, you've probably heard of the story or heard the story. Verse one, we learn that it says the serpent, we learn later that was Satan. The serpent was more crafty than any other animal. We think about, when we think about the Adam and Eve story, we think of Satan as being some little some little jerk, you know, some like, hey, why don't you eat this fruit? <laughs> like, 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 like somebody you just want to like squish with your feet. No, Satan showed up. Yeah, if Satan was showing up in a coffee shop to talk to you today, he'd be tall and slender and have dark features and like this thick, slick back hair and he'd look good. When he'd smile, he'd be like a little ding, like, like sh- the little shiny thing like on cartoons. He would know exactly what to say to you to get, to th- to get you to think, Man, I want to be like this guy. And he starts talking with Eve, and he says, Hey, Eve, man, your hair's looking good today. Like, did you change something? Like, like did, you, did, you, did you get it colored or something? It looks good. And he's like, Oh, yeah, you know, I've just been doing this thing with it. You know? and, and, and he's flattery. Yeah, he's, he's flattering, and he's, he's crafty. And he asks her a question that undermines what God says. He says, Did God really tell you? that you couldn't eat of any tree in the garden. Oh, Eve, oh no, God says we can't eat of this tree and we can't touch it, but we can eat of all the other trees. But if we eat of this tree or if we touch it, we will die. And Satan says, oh, honey, let me tell you the truth. You see, I have some experience with God. See, God tried that with me too. He tried to tell me what to do and what to say and how to sing You won't surely die if you eat that tree. God just doesn't want you to become like him. And let me tell you from experience, I told God that I wasn't going to do what he told me to do. And I told God I wasn't going to listen. And look at me. I look good. I'm having a good time. I'm loving my life. Try to take a bite of that tree. See, we get this idea that Eve was just stupid. Eve was not stupid. 
Satan was really smart. Eve wasn't on guard. Adam wasn't on guard. And Eve took the fruit and she ate it. She disobeyed God. She gave it to Adam. You know, we try to put all the blame on Eve. Adam's like standing right there because it says she took the fruit and gave it to Adam. Adam's just like standing there, you know, too, and doesn't, you know, have any objections like, hey, uh, you know, God didn't tell us to do that. Like, like Adam's like just, as, I think, as enamored with this conversation as Eve is. They both disobey God. They both sin. Sin enters the world. In verse 7, we start to see the effects of sin, and we start to see the brokenness. So let's read, starting in verse 7. So after they ate, the eyes of both were open, and they knew that they were naked. If you're naked, you're not supposed to be naked, right? Naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of God walking in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. But God called to the man saying to him, where are you? And Adam said, I heard the sound of you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He, meaning God, says, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree that I've commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree, and I ate it. So he's blaming Eve, right? The Lord said to the woman, what is this that you've done? The woman said, oh, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. So God said to the serpent, because you've done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you will go, on dust you will eat the days of your life. And I'll put enmity between you and the woman, between her, your offspring and her offspring, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing and pain you'll bring forth children. Your desire will be contrary to your husband, but he will rule over you. And to Adam, he said, because you've listened to the voice of your wife and eaten of the tree of which I've commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain, you'll eat it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles, it'll bring forth for you. You shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face, you shall eat the bread. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. So I summarized earlier, remember what happened, how sin entered the world. What we just read were all of the consequences of sin. And all of those consequences of sin is what we could call the brokenness of the world. So, you know, some of you, you, you like to take notes, you, know, you like to write things down. I've kind of divided this section into three observations. And the first is that sin explains the brokenness that I see and experience. Now, I didn't warn Jeff about this, but I've got a picture for each of these occurrences of brokenness. Okay, Jeff's with me. Look at the brokenness. First, we see a broken relationship with God. It says, they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden of the cool of the day. The man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of God. We can learn from reading in Genesis, it seems like every day God would in person, <laughs> not virtually, like God would in person meet with Adam and Eve and they would walk together. They'd go on walks together in the cool of the day. Like, wouldn't that be awesome? Like, like, like I'm not one for going on walks. I'd rather run somewhere. I'd rather lift weights, do deadlifts, like, you know. But like, like, if God wanted to go on a walk with me every day, buddy, I'd be there, right? They walked with God every day, but all of a sudden after sin, they know God's getting ready to come. It's that time of the day. They hide themselves from God because they realize that they are sinful and that God is holy. 
and they're afraid of how God will react to them. There's a separation. And, and, and you see that in the world too, right? People kind of have a general understanding that God is here and they are here. People have a general understanding that they are far from God and they are separated from God. You can go, and I've gone many places like many other countries, you can go around the world, every world religion tries to somehow make up the distance between us, humans, and God. So we see a broken relationship with God, but then we see broken relationships with other people. We see it in two occurrences here. Look at where he says, he says um, to the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. Your desire will be contrary to your husband, but he'll rule over you. That's a fancy way of saying y'all are going to fight a lot. Your family is not going to be at peace because there is sin in both of your lives. And what do we see in the next chapter? Chapter four, Adam and Eve have a son named Cain. And they have another son named Abel. Long story short, there is sibling rivalry. Y'all know what that's like, right? I had three brothers, I had two brothers and a sister. Like, you know what that's like. You know, you've wailed on your brother before a few times, or you've wailed on your sister before a few times, or at least with words probably, right? Cain gets so jealous that Abel, his sacrifice to God, was accepted by God. Cain picks up a rock, boom, kills his brother. You see, you, you see the fighting? You see the, do you see the broken relationships in your world? Some people walk through the halls of school and, and their life, I don't say this lightly, their life feels like hell because they are being belittled and bullied and sometimes physically assaulted at school and nobody seems to care about it. Broken relationships. Yeah, some of you know it all too well. There are homes where you don't get to live with your dad anymore or you don't get to live with your mom anymore because of broken relationships. You see it, right? Look, another sin also brought brokenness in, in just our spirituality. There's an interesting verse, verse 15. He's speaking to Satan. He's speaking to the snake. He says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between you and her offspring. Pretty much God's saying, is establishing that Satan is now gonna be an adversary. He's gonna be an enemy of every human. And sometimes you realize it when you wake up. Sometimes you can almost feel it. But when you wake up in the morning, you have an enemy. You have a spiritual enemy. And it's Satan. It's the world. It's your flesh. Before sin, there was no such thing as spiritual warfare. There was no such thing as brokenness in our spirit. But there it is. Also see um, that we're broken physically. Look at the t all the times the word pain is mentioned. Verse 16 says, I'll multiply your pain in childbirth and pain you'll bring forth children. It's not just for the, <laughs> not just for the ladies. Look at, look at verse 17. He says to, to Adam, in pain you shall eat from the ground all the days of your life. You see later, it says in verse 19, by the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground for you are dust and to dust you'll return. Sin brought an expiration date to physical bodies. And man, don't we know it. Don't we all know somebody that we loved that has passed away? Don't we know it? Don't we all know, or maybe we've experienced ourselves, a debilitating disease? Or COVID, right? Or you know someone who 
has been you know, someone who's been diagnosed with the C word that we don't like to talk about, cancer. We realize that God designed us. God created us in his image. But sin brought brokenness to our bodies that eventually leads to a physical death. But the Bible says after death there's something. It eventually leads to an eternal death in hell. We see the brokenness of our physical bodies. But if you keep kind of reading down, you can also see that work is broken. He says, um, in pain you'll eat of the ground, curses the ground all the days of your life. By the sweat of your face you shall eat your bread. That means that, Adam, you're not going to just show up and pick a fruit from the tree anymore. You're going to have to work for your food. And work is going to be difficult. You ever feel like a lot of you aren't farmers, right? You don't have a profile on farmersonly.com. Um, but yeah, you know what it's like to work as hard as you can and still not get ahead in your schoolwork. Do you ever feel like the more time you spend on homework, it's almost like the more you still have to do the next day? It's like, I'm not trying to tell you not to do your homework, that it's pointless. But you ever feel like the harder you work, the harder it is to get ahead? That's because of the fall. That work is a struggle now. It's not a joy. And then finally, the earth is broken. He says in verse 17, cursed is the ground because of you. In verse 18, thorns and thistles it shall bring forth. I'm not trying, I don't want to get all like tree hugger on you here, okay? But you do realize that there is a problem with our earth, right? I'm not going to go all, you know, you know, all green on you and all Al Gore on you. But you do realize there is an, there, there is an island in the ocean made up of entirely disposed Plastic the size of Texas. I know you probably don't watch the news very often. I don't either. But you hear about tornadoes that hit the south, killed a lot of people in Kentucky. You hear about hurricanes. Um, some of us went down to uh, North Carolina, did hurricane relief. You hear about all of these terrible things that happen on the earth and take people's lives. Our earth is messed up. Some of that we've done. Some of that is the natural consequence of sin. But our earth is messed up. All this brokenness is a result of us leaving God's perfect design. Relationships can't work because you have one person who has sin in their life and another person who has sin in their life. And they make a commitment, but there are friction points, right? We see that there's brokenness. Or So I gotta ask you, which of these do you identify with that you feel in your life maybe you feel very distant from God or you can you can almost sense the spiritual warfare going on maybe this is a lot like the house that you grew up in or growing up in maybe you know somebody who is very critically ill which of these do you identify with which of those broken places have you experienced sin explains the brokenness that we see and that we experience. But what happens when we try to get out of that brokenness? The next thing we learn is that brokenness brings out the worst in us. I hate to say it, but it does. Look at Adam and Eve's response to the brokenness that they experienced in their life. Their first response when they realized that they were full of sin was religion. The first mention of religion in the Bible is in verse 7. 
The eyes of them were open. They knew that they were naked. They realized they, they, were not, they were not prepared to be in God's presence because of their sin, because of their nakedness. So what do they do? They try to make themselves presentable to God because they know God's coming, right? It says they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. I don't want to get too, uh, I won't get too graphic here. You know me, I sometimes I put my foot in my mouth. But can you imagine, don't imagine too much, but can you imagine Adam and Eve naked trying to pick leaves from this fig tree? They've probably never sowed anything in their lives. And they're trying to like, like piece these together. Like some of you have done better projects in whole mech, right? They're trying to piece these leaves together and they're trying to, well, sometimes they say not to use your hands. They, they're trying to piece these together and put them to cover themselves and to cover their nakedness. But here's the problem with leaves. They wilt, <laughs> they get dry, <laughs> they fall apart. So they're like hurriedly trying to put together these fig leaves to cover their nakedness because they know God's coming. That's just how silly some of our religious efforts look when we try to appease a holy God with our good deeds. What we learn is their little fig leaves did not do a good job of covering them up because what starts happening. So you see religion. I, put, I have a picture here of religion. It's kind of like all the different religions. Every religion is some sort of attempt to appease God. Can't walk through them all tonight, but every religion is some sort of attempt to make somebody make themselves presentable to God. And Adam and Eve were the first to try it. The next is the blame game. Is blame our reaction? Remember, said it brings out the worst in us. Adam and Eve, who were both naked and felt no shame in verse in chapter two, now they're, they're blaming each other. I've got a picture here of uh, of two you know, two teams linemen lined up. We don't want to talk about what happened to the Cowboys last week, but um, uh, mm, I'm going to lose my Christianity. But have you, you have you noticed how like when when the, when the teams line up and the, and and, the, and there's a pre-snap penalty, a flag is thrown there by the line. What do they do? The guys all stand up and the defensive guys go like this, right? And the offensive guys go like this. The defensive guys are saying, yeah, he moved. He moved first. It was a false start. He did the little thing with his feet. And the defensive guys are like, no, no, no. He was encroaching here. He was encroaching. And they're blaming each other, right? They're blaming each other. This is exactly what Adam and Eve did. This is exactly what we do when we encounter brokenness in our life. We say, I wouldn't be the way I am today, I wouldn't have these problems if my dad was a better dad or if my mom was a better mom. I wouldn't have these issues if this person didn't, didn't hurt me or didn't do this to me. And I, I, I want to be careful and I want to be sensitive to the fact that there are scars that people carry that they didn't deserve, that were done to them, that they couldn't help. But so often, so often, when there are issues in our own life that we need to deal with, we're really quick to point the finger at other people just like those linemen were. And, you know, Adam's like, hey, God, you know, Eve gave me this fruit. It was that woman you gave me. <laughs> yeah, that's a real nice way to talk about your wife. The woman you gave me. Get you, maybe eat the fruit. And Eve's like, hey, it wasn't me. It was this serpent. It was this weird creature. Yeah, he made me eat it. We're so quick to blame others because brokenness brings out the worst in us. And then the final thing is 
we run away. We see brokenness in our life, sin in our life. We run away from God. And what happens with Adam and Eve? You can almost feel the tension building. Verse 7, they're sewing those fig leaves together as fast as they can. You're like, we got to cover up the, you know, the, the, the things we need to cover up. And, and God's coming and they hear God's footsteps. And, and I don't know if I can get it on in time. Oh, shoot, you know, the, the leaves are falling off. What do we do? Verse 8, they hear the sound of the Lord, the God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves among the trees of the garden. Adam and Eve, they're trying to get everything where it needs to be, trying to cover up the vital areas they can't. So they like dive into a bush at the last second before God comes. And how often, obviously they're not hiding from God. How often do we, we know we're not right with God, but instead of coming to God to receive forgiveness, we just run from God. We try to fix the brokenness by ignoring it, by instead of binging the Bible and binging Netflix. We try to ignore the brokenness. I wrote, down, I wrote, I wrote it down like this. Sometimes we do it like an ostrich. We become ostriches. We just put our head in the sand and pretend like everything's good. Sometimes we, we, we become roaches. And when God turns the light on, we run from him. And sometimes, um, so, sometimes we become dogs who just kind of circle back around and circle back around, trying to, get the, trying to get satisfaction out of things that won't satisfy, like our dog who ate out of the trash and had explosive diarrhea for two days. Those are the reactions the brokenness, it just, it brings out the worst in us. So which of these methods do you find yourself getting into when you see the brokenness in your life? Got some good news. You ready for the good news? It's time for good news, isn't it? The final thing. Brokenness brought out the best from God. What do we see God? We talked about our reaction. What, look, look, this is so awesome. Like, look at God's reaction. The first thing God does when sin enters the world is he pursues the sinner. Look at verse number nine. The Lord called to the man and said, where are you? I think if I was God, I would have picked up my toys and gone home. I think if I was God, I would say, I'm gonna turn the lights off on this earth and make a new one. But God, in his mercy, went after Adam and Eve so he pursues, he also feels. Turn like one page over to Genesis 6-6. The world becomes more and more and more and more sinful. What was God's reaction to that? It says in verse six of Genesis six, the Lord regretted in his heart that he made man on the earth and it grieved him to his heart. That word regret, it's kind of difficult to decipher. It doesn't mean so much that he wished he wouldn't have created the earth. It means that it sorrowed God in his heart. So God pursues us, and some of you are running from God. What if God were to catch you and turn you around and you were to look into his face? What do you think the expression on his face would be? I think a lot of us think it would be anger, hate, vengeance. God's attitude toward the fall of humans into sin was sorrow. Does that tell you how much God loves his creation that he made in his image? that he experienced the emotion of sorrow. So God pursues and then he feels, he, he feels, but then he provides. We've talked about this before, so I'm not gonna spend much time on it. Genesis 3.15, he promises that the off, it's gonna sound like C.S. Lewis here for those of you who like to read C.S. Lewis, that the offspring of a woman, 
Somebody who Eve would give birth to, who you know, would, 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 would have a child, who would have a child, who would have a child. Somebody of those descendants would one day crush the head of Satan and fix everything that was wrong. You see that promise of a provision, but you also see a picture of the provision. Look at verse 19 and down to, and, um, look at verse 19 and through 20. It says, Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living, and the Lord made for Adam and his wife garments of skin and clothed them. Remember Adam and Eve's terrible attempt at religion? <laughs> oh, dive into the bushes. God kills an animal, takes the skin, and covers Adam and Eve so that they could be made right positionally, temporarily with him. Blood had to be shed for Adam and Eve to be made right with God. What do we learn later? Revelation chapter five, verse nine. When we're in heaven and we sing to God, we will say this, that you have bought us with your blood. Revelation chapter, uh, chapter 12, we learn that the song we sing to God will be that you have made us overcomers by, we have become overcomers by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. God's reaction was that he provided the sacrifice of Jesus. We're gonna learn more about that as we continue binging the Bible. I gotta get moving here, sorry. He redeems and finally, he restores. I, I know maybe we shouldn't do this, but sometimes I do this when I read a book. I take a peek at the back of the book to see how the book's going to go. I just want to real quick take a peek at the back of the book. Can we do that? Turn to Revelation 21.5 real quick. Remember the brokenness that we've been talking about? One day, Jesus is going to come back. He's going to establish his kingdom on earth. He's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. And look at what happens in Revelation chapter 21. Verse three, it says, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. They will be his people. God himself will be with them and as their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more, no more crying or mourning or pain for the former things have all passed away. And he who is seated on the throne, that's Jesus, said, I am making all things new. Do you see the end of the book? Do you see what's gonna happen here? Is that one day all the brokenness that we experience is gonna be wiped away and God is gonna restore the perfection of his creation. And there's gonna be no cancer. There's gonna be no COVID. There's gonna be no bullying. There's gonna be no broken families. That's the hope that we have. So we gotta get out of here. I know. Let me give you the application points. I hate not giving the application points. So I'm gonna put them all up on the screen at once um, um, on that final slide there, Jeff. Um, they're all our words. What, what do we do with this? How do we take this home? The first thing is repent and believe the gospel. Do you realize this, the separation between you and God? Do, does your reaction to the brokenness in your life and the sin in your life, is it more like Adam and Eve? You know, you're, you're trying to sew the fig leaves on? You know, fig leaf of a mission trip, fig leaf of, oh, I came to church. I wonder if God will be happy with that. You know, like, like, oh, I read my Bible today. Maybe God will be pleased with that. Our actions could never measure up to God's holiness. The only way to be right in God's eyes is by believing in Jesus, it's by changing your mind about sin, self, and Savior, and realizing that Jesus is the only way to be saved, and that by believing in him, that his blood was shed for you, that God will make all things new in your life. The next thing, and this is the hardest for some of us Christians, is to rely on Jesus every day for our identity and purpose. So many of us find ourselves trying to go to those things to fix our brokenness, the relationships and the, the, you know, the popularity and the academics and this and that. 
You find your identity in Jesus. 1 Corinthians 5, 17, he who is in Christ is a new creation. You find your purpose in, in, in Jesus. 1 Corinthians 5, 20, he's given to us the ministry of reconciliation. There's our identity. We are in Christ. We're a new creation. There's our purpose. We tell other people about Jesus. And you have to remind yourself about that every day when you live in a broken world like this. The next one is retrain your eyes to see people the way God does. You see the, God's reaction to those who sinned and were living in brokenness, he went after them. Oftentimes, our reaction, we see people in sin and brokenness. I don't want to get dirty. I don't want to get messed up. I don't want them to rub off on me. We need to train, retrain our eyes to see people the way that God sees them. And finally, we need to reach out to those who are near to us but far from God. I want to leave you with a question. Who do you know in your life that is near to you but far from God? They have no explanation and they have no hope for the brokenness that they live in. We have the greatest message ever, don't we? Why aren't we reaching those people who are near to us and far from God? So I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna make like a baby and head out of here. All right, let's pray. Oh, God, thank you for bringing us tonight together. And I, I know we need to get out of here. I know the snow's coming. I know we need to get home and get safe. Um, but God, we just, we can't thank you enough for going after us when we were sinners. We started out so far from you. We could never get to you. We could never be made it right in your eyes, but you sent Jesus to die for us. God, I thank you that that's my story. And I, Lord, I pray that everybody in the room tonight has a story like that. And God, I pray that it won't just be something we put on our shelf and say that's good, but God, that it'll be something every day that we wake up and we find our identity in being restored by you. We find our identity in the purpose that you've given to us. So God, I pray that you'll keep us safe as we leave. I pray that we will find people who are near to us and far from you and give them the greatest news ever. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.